Welcome to Expanding Your Faith, a podcast hosted by Bishop Greer Godsey, the Old Catholic Church's International. Expanding Your Faith brings together a panel of well-educated clergy and laity to discuss modern events with a biblical perspective. Our podcast is about to start. Please stay tuned. to this edition of Expanding Your Faith. I am Bishop Greer, and joining me tonight is Reverend Mark. Greetings, everyone. And Bishop Ben. Greetings, everyone. Um, So we've enjoyed our little vacation through the month of January, and uh, had a lot going on through the month of January with uh, Martin Luther King Jr. uh, celebration, interfaith celebration bunch of stuff at our respective churches and and trying to wind down after Christmas. (laughs) So a lot has uh, been going on. But we're glad to start our eighth season uh, here on Expanding Your Faith. And I'm so thankful for Reverend Mark and Bishop Ben for taking time out of their extremely busy schedules to uh, be here. Um, Reverend Mark is probably much more busy than we are, but oh yeah, oh yeah. I'm sure everybody's equally busy. But uh, I'm glad that he's here tonight. So, um, this is one of those nights where I really didn't come up with a topic per se. Um, you know, we had so much going on that you know it just kind of skipped my mind, and and anytime I did think about it, it you know nothing really came to mind. And so tonight we're just going to sit and chat um, and see where the Spirit takes us uh, tonight. Uh, Lord knows there are a ton of topics we can discuss uh, in the world. Um, And some of the things we're going to discuss over Season 8, we're going to talk about uh, Christians and politics uh, probably next week uh, for our uh, podcast. what is a Christian's responsibility and people of faith's responsibility and when it comes to politics and what is not? You know, when should we speak out? When should we not? You know, how involved should we be? You know, that kind of thing. And, uh, of course, uh, we'll be pulling up towards um, the end of this uh, season. We'll pull up close to uh, Pride Month, so we'll discuss that a little bit towards the end of the season. And, uh, of course, we're going to continue to keep an eye on the various social justice issues that are going on around the world so that uh, we can speak knowledgeably and frankly about what's going on in the world as well through this season. So, a lot of great stuff. Uh, and we're going to continue to dissect uh, biblical stories and passages as we come along them. So it's going to be a good uh, season, I hope. So how has your break been, Reverend Mark? Uh, it, I, uh, we got through the Christmas season, and then, of course, 
I normally take the last uh, week of the year off just to kind of compose myself and, you know, not detox. That's probably too strong of a term, <laughs> but just kind of let things fall uh, from the season and then um, spend some time dwelling on where things will be for the next year and so it's uh, the year's already started out pretty busy and um, we um, we've already we, you know for church we had leadership gatherings we participated in the MLK service uh, here locally in the Augusta area which was very very good and um, probably one of the best responses uh, as far as attendance goes that I've seen and Meacham was amazing wasn't he yeah um, so uh, yeah it was already a busy start to the year yeah we had uh, John Dr. John Meacham uh, who uh, was the keynote for the MLK service if you've never listened to him he appears quite often on CNN and MSNBC and um, he's also, um, I think he still teaches at Vanderbilt. Yeah, he's a professor there. Yeah, yeah. And so you can find some of his uh, writings. He's written several books uh, as well as some of his speeches and things um, online. It's John Meacham. Um, and uh, he had us in stitches. I mean, he's funny. Yeah, he's pretty, pretty, very well timed in his delivery, and uh, especially in the funny stuff. I thought it was hilarious. I'll tell you one of the stories that he told us, and that was he went to a rally in Washington D.C. and as he was walking, um, you know, there across uh, the, the courtyard in. Uh, near the Lincoln Memorial or Washington Memorial, whichever one. Anyway, he was walking across there. This young woman walked up to him, ran up to him and says, I know who you are. You're that author. He's like, yeah, yeah, I am. And she's like, hang on just a minute. I'd like to get you to sign uh, uh, a book for me. So she runs off and goes and buys a book and comes back and hands it to John Meacham and it's one of John Grisham's books. <laughs> and so he says, so do you think that I uh, told her, uh, no, I'm not John Grisham? He says, no, I just went ahead and signed it. So she's the only person in the world who has a John Grisham novel signed by John Meacham. <laughs> go. That's funny. Well, thankfully, uh, I've, I've encountered that a couple of times because there's another author with my last name. And so there have been a couple of times that's happened to me, and I sit there and I go, do I tell them? Do I just sign <laughs> yeah. it? Yeah, I just sign away. I just sign it. So There are a few people out there with books written by someone with the last name of Godsey, and it's got my signature in it. It's not my book. Anyway... <laughs> I don't think our I have to worry about that. Our our, our family aren't. We don't have authors. Uh, my dad was an author of a book, but 
uh, co-authored, but it uh, has to do with nuclear engineering. So I don't, I don't think anybody's going to mistake me for that. I don't know. They might come in with that nuclear engineering book. Be like, I don't even know what this... <laughs> I don't even know the title of his book. There you go. So um, it was a good event. We had about probably close to 500 people there easily. Yeah. Wow. Uh, for that event, it was a really great event and uh, really a great reminder of why we continue to honor the legacy of Dr. King and why his message is still very much important in our day and time. Um, especially in our day and time. Well, the importance of constantly coming together, right. despite our differences, and right. that the things that we disagree on or the perspectives that we have don't have to wedge us apart right. uh, in other things, and um, that's very important to remember. It is very much so. Very much so, and that's. You know, one of the difficult things as we go through this political season that seems every time to get longer and longer and longer. It's worse than Christmas at the stores. I mean, <laughs> at least you can leave the store. Right. And uh, unfortunately, it's on every television station, radio station, and even pop-ups on the internet. You can't. You just can't get away from it. Yeah. So. Um, we have to remember that, uh, you know, cooperate as much as we can with others and try to show love and compassion. Maybe we can change a few hearts and minds in the process, you know. So, Bishop Ben, how was your break? It was good, you know. We got some things me and you were able to accomplish, some church things we needed to get accomplished for the church. Overall, it was pretty good, you know. We got to do things for the, for the Christmas vacation, got to relax. You know, but I'm glad we're back with the podcast because now we can get back to expanding our minds and our faith and, and discussing topics that need to be discussed, like coming up like Lent will be coming up pretty soon. Right. Uh, right. We have Black History Month. It's very important, too, going on right now. Absolutely. Um, you know, we got other topics like we discussed last week the the death penalty topic about the nitrogen gas usage. You know, we have a lot of heavy topics that we we need to discuss and get out there to people to be aware of. Right, right. Those well, heavy topics, of course. And I've been thinking towards Lent some. Uh, I think that we're going to do a, a series of. Uh, getting back to basics during Lent, and so yes, and we're going to look at it through the eyes of Thomas Merton. So you know, I, I think it's funny that you know, well, not funny, haha, like laugh, laugh, but it's funny that like, I don't know if people have realized that Ash Wednesday falls on Valentine's Day, right? This right. year, what a unique, what a unique concept, Valentine's Day slash Ash Wednesday. See, I thought about Reverend Mark and I could go down here to some of the fancy restaurants mm -hmm. where they're going to take their sweethearts and stand out there and do ashes to go. 
Yep. Yeah. For all, all the sweethearts on Valentine's Day. You know. Um, I think it might slightly decrease attendance on Ash Wednesday, it being on Valentine's Day this year. But we shall see. Uh, it's almost time to start posting our memes, get your ash to church. Um, huh. So, we'll, uh, that'll be coming up here very soon. But, um, yeah, we're going to do a series of Back to Basics uh, through the eyes of Thomas Merton. Um, and look at things like reconnecting humanity, reconnecting to the divine, um, how to be more compassionate and loving towards everyone. Um, some things that we're losing touch with as a society. And exactly. so hopefully we can inspire some some change. Uh, we'll see. And, you know, I wanted to, to stress to people that are listening to our program and that are the Catholic faith or Christian faith to focus on, because Lent is coming up, what are you going to sacrifice for Lent? What are you going to give up? Social media, fast food, alcohol, uh, cell phones, games. Hey. Be mindful. Try, try to be mindful of, of what you're going to give up for that season, you know, for right. Lent. Give up hate, give up violence. Exactly, bigotry, yep. Give up bigotry, you know. Or on the other token, you don't have to give up something necessarily. What are you going to do to improve yourself through Lent? You know, there you adding go. Yep. spiritual practice or reading more or, you know, helping the homeless or, you know, going to church more than once a community. year. You know? I mean... Yep. Or what you can do for your community. Or, you know, donate a little more to your local community, you know. Your local parish community, your church community. Because um, I know that uh, a lot of churches right now are hurting financially, you know. Believe it or not, uh, the two seasons that we see a decrease in uh, giving is December and January. And uh, July, uh, June, July, and August. Uh, those are the two seasons when the church's income drops drastically. And so, um, for some churches, they finish up the year in, in a deficit because of that. So, they could really use your support uh, right now uh, in your local communities to keep them going. Donate to your local blacksmith. Yeah, there you go, Blackbird. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know that. Uh, I don't know that I have anything I can donate to my local blacksmith. My iron. My iron mine has dried up. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Especially during Lent, we get so focused on everything that we've got to stop doing and we can't do that or we can't do this. But if you just simply focus on embracing more of 
of the things that we're taught to do. The other things just get pushed out when you start doing the more, you know. When you start loving, you automatically stop hating. If you start loving more, because if, you, if you're truly loving, it becomes a contagious thing that I believe the Spirit helps you to impart into various areas of your life. Because right. you start seeing the benefit of just living a life of love um, or a life that's filled with a little bit more grace towards others. Right. Um, and a lot of that stuff reconnects like you were saying, to our humanity and to our, towards others. Um, and you really kind of stop. And it's, if, if it works for some people, for them to stop and say, well, I'm going to give up X, Y, Z, whatever works best for you. But when you start embracing um, the power of just being a good person or embracing the teachings uh, of faith it starts replacing all that that is broken it starts healing that which is broken right. and because um, we you know in my, in my upbringing we so focused on the sin or the brokenness or you know you can't you can't you can't and we fail to teach a lot about well we can love or we can be more patient or we can have more grace or we can believe the best in others we can hope the best for others and so forth and so on Um, but we were more focused on the you know you got to look one way outward we forgot to examine the inward what was going on inside so um, uh, you know I believe in fasting and I believe in giving things up, uh, but also allow yourself to, what are you embracing? It's, right. it's not necessarily good to just let go of something, but what are you embracing? Very and, um, you know, yeah. And, you know, I, I think it's interesting you mentioned that uh, we're so focused on sin or one of the few religions in the world that actually has that concept of sin. Yeah. You know, a lot of religions don't have a concept of sin. Um, but we do, and it seems like over the years we've gotten so attached to um, especially pointing out the sins of others that that's become almost a pastime for most Christians. It's a, to me, it's a form of manipulation and control because you're trying to adjust someone's behavior by going to point them out and calling them out. And, um, um, you know, what is sin? And sin is just missing the mark of what... You know, Jesus taught us to live after the pattern of his life, which is the way the kingdom of God is supposed to operate. You know, right. we think the kingdom of God is this big 
woo 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 thing and really it's it's embracing and loving your neighbor helping the widow and the orphan feeding the hungry clothing the naked um, extending hospitality towards the stranger and so forth i mean that's really you know we find scripture comes down hard on cities like sodom and gomorrah on the nation of israel through um, isaiah's writings because they weren't observing those type of uh, mindsets and embracing that spirit and um, you know god's kingdom operates in that spirit Uh, it it connects with humanity it connects with each other Um, we're so lost on connection we are so we have more ways to quote unquote connect with people these days than we've ever had in history and yet we have the least amount of connection going on isn't that true because this constantly is in our hand and in our face i was telling somebody today i said the way you know, you have a disagreement with somebody through social media. Our brains, particularly those that are younger than 40. Right. <laughs> I'll just say that and be nice. Um, you have a disagreement with somebody, what do you do? You hit the, uh, you hit the button, the unfriend right. or the block right. or the unfollow. And so we do that in relation and one-on-one now you know you have a disagreement you just block unfollow you block your emotions you unfollow them you in other words you don't listen to them anymore and we're just patterned to do that we just you know we pick up we keep pick up our phone start ignoring the person or we pick up our device and start scrolling through media and um and that's the i think that's one of the biggest challenges for the church today or the, any faith for that matter uh, today is teaching people to make those genuine connections you know uh, I listen to a lot of young people again 40 and under um, <laughs> I listen to a lot of young people talk about how they just crave you know good connections good relationships right. and they're starving for it but yet they're you know they're so buried into the technology which I'm not an anti-technology person. I'm an uh, I'm an anti-imbalanced person. Right. You know, when life becomes imbalanced, and you lose sight of genuine human connection that God ordained, because God designed us for relationships. Um. We're you know that's that's the real degrade in our society is. Uh, is the lack of building with each other and building in life uh, those uh, those important moments and you know we don't have to return to the days of the stone age or live as the you know other people do uh, that's that embrace life of you don't not have to become an amish person you know, yeah you don't have to be a non-technology person but you can Turn your phone off. You can turn your devices off when you're sitting there. You know, you 
put it off the table when you're at a restaurant and really listen to folks, really connect with people. You know, um, a few weeks ago I ministered on connection and the power of connection and, you know, how one person, Jonah, could uh, go and save a city even though he didn't want to. Right. Even though he... He disagreed heartily with God. <laughs> right, because those weren't his people. Those were, you know, you know. and God says, no, go tell them to, re- to turn, which I th- find so interesting. Um, but then you see Jesus in the Gospels, that particular Sunday in our readings, Jesus was going out calling disciples, basically saying, hey, I need you to do what I'm doing. Right. I need humanity. I'm a, there's going to be an exchange here. I'm going to teach you the intricacies of the kingdom, but I'm going to need you to take those intricacies that I teach you and tell others, tell, er- tell everybody else, replicate it into the world. Mm-hmm. And um, I need you to I need you to connect with me, and I need to connect with you. Um, and it it shows us that power that happens, and and that's why uh, humanity suffers these days is because we you know governments don't talk politicians don't communicate with one another Um, you can't get people across the negotiating tables for ceasefires or signing bills that would benefit the marginalized and so on Um, it's it's an up up and down issue it's an issue in the church it's an issue in politics and government and society you know, connecting to our humanity and then connecting that humanity to one another. Right. Absolutely. Cora says, we forget that we can disagree and still respect each other. And that's very true. Yep. You know, um, I've had many a great discussion with people that did not agree with me. But we still could respect each other and have a reasoned and logical conversation. Uh, even about things we disagree with, you know. What was it I saw today? I saw a meme or a, little, a quote that says, "If you're in an environment that you can't wholly disagree with each other, you're in a you're not in a place of growth. You're in a place of control." Yes. So. Because one of us is not always right. right. Both of us are not always right. Right. And so um, there are times that, I mean, you learn through disagreement and opposing or differing perspectives. Right. You know, oh, well, I didn't see that. I didn't know that. That's why I like having conversations with people that are, of different opinions than myself because it's a, it challenges you to think outside your little box. Correct. Outside your little uh, sphere of influence. Correct. Um, I think that, you know, we were talking about technology. People forget, you know, that technology is a tool You know, this past week, uh, the big news, well, 
one of the big newses in the world was that Elon Musk's company Neuralink successfully implanted a Neuralink device into someone's brain that will allow them to control, are you ready for this, a cell phone. Okay. Now, the guy that they implanted it in is a quadriplegic. So, I mean, for him, this would be, if it works, something that's somewhat liberating because he can now control a phone using his mind instead of, you know, not being able to use it at all, essentially. And it could be a pathway to allow him to, you know, communicate more effectively and, you know, things of that nature. But there again lies the problem. You know, this, this technology this technology can be used as a tool, but how many people are going to run out to get these kinds of enhancements just for the heck of having this enhancement? Yeah. You know, and then it becomes no longer a tool, but something that kind of controls us. And... You know, being on the college campus with all these, as you say, under 40 youngins, uh, <laughs> you know, I, just about every day I'm almost run over by one of them because they're so engrossed in their cell phone, they're not paying attention to where they're going. There's no spatial awareness, situational awareness, um, and I almost get run into, you know, if if I wasn't paying attention, I would have been run into. You know, and then of course it would have been my fault because you know it's not their fault. They're wrapped up in their technology. But uh-huh. it, it's even so bad that even in classes, the professor will be up there teaching, and you look around the room, and half the students are on their cell phone. Yeah. Yeah, and. I had the same issue where um, I just this past week I was just noticing how many people as as they drove by me or almost hit me had their phone in their hand and you could see them holding it up like you know like this or they were texting while they were um, So, sorry, my phone opened up as soon as I picked it up. I was like, oh, gosh, case in point. Right. And and just sitting there messaging or whatever on it, and I'm going, good Lord, what a – there's nothing or there's very little that is that important that you need to be in traffic going down the road to where you have the phone up on the steering wheel – and this was like, I don't know how many people I saw throughout this week. You could visibly see their phone up in their hands doing stuff. And I'm going, we're so overwhelmed by having to have that whatever connection. And I'm going, Lord. Well, I've been driving. And um, sometimes I set my phone in driving mode, which... If somebody texts me, it'll tell them, I'm driving, I'll get back to you shortly. And I've had people get angry at me 
well, you sent that message. Why can't you just respond to me? Well, it's an automated thing. I didn't send the message. I didn't even see your text. You know. But they get angry and they're like, why didn't you answer me right away? I'm not going to put everybody around me at risk to answer a text. I mean, if it's that important, call me and we'll talk. Otherwise, you'll get a text when I get done. You know? But it has become such a thing that, and, and you know, we've kind of discussed this a little bit in some of my classes on psychology, and that is that technology has gotten so large and so big that, you know, and we claim to use it as a tool to communicate, but in reality, it's just a tool to answer people. It's not real communication. It's just... Right you know, responding to respond. And so we don't think through what we're saying. We don't think through what's going on. We're just like them, you know, I pick up my phone and it opens because, you know, it's triggered. We, that's how fast we're distracted. Right. Right? How fast we we lose our presence with who we're with and the connection. And so, I mean, we have to be aware of those issues we have to be aware that we're not present that we're not you know connecting with another person particularly those who our relations are are big in our lives and our the relationships are big and so um i just i feel so sorry for just that other utter lack of connectivity that people are overshadowing and then um, people just and they're craving it that's the other part of it is people are are craving relationships but they don't understand the hindrances that are surrounding them right and I I fear that we're going to too late figure that out um just genuine building of relationships, I think, are in danger anymore. Right. I agree. Father Davis says, The pace of our world lends people to want instant communication, and if you don't respond immediately, they think you're mad at them. Yeah. It's kind of like the 24-hour news cycle, too, you know. It's, you know, we're, we're so quick to be able to get news nowadays. You know, that we also suffer from news overload. You know, because it's constantly in our face. It comes at the speed of light to our phones. You know, it. all you have to do is flick on CNN or Fox or MSNBC and you can watch it 24-7 as it goes on around the world. And You know, so countries change. Policies change. Politics change at the speed of light now. Right. You know, and one minute, you know, a person can be riding high on top of the world. The next minute, they're destroyed all in the instance by the Internet. You know, that's how quickly it can happen. 
It's just, it's crazy. You know. Um, yesterday, uh, not yesterday, Thursday. No, I guess it was yesterday. It was Friday. Um, Luna and I, and I, myself and Dana went out and we went to uh, grab something to eat before Dana had to be at work. And so we went, nobody could decide what they wanted to eat, which is typical. So we went to the mall, the food court. I figured there's enough choices here, we can all find something to eat. So we ate, and there was about an hour and a half left before Dana had to get to work. So she's like, I want to go somewhere where they sell, like, cakes or cookies or something. And, and I wanted some coffee, so we went to the Metro Coffee House and got some little cakes and coffee and got to sit outside. And there's a smoke shop on the uh, corner of that block. You go down broad street towards the church um and i went in there and got a couple of cigars the guy gave me a pack of matches and uh i got a punch um, i have to show you my new punch but anyway um and went and sat down with them and just sat there on the sidewalk our phones not i mean they were sitting on the table but they were not where we could see them they were upside down and I just sat there eating our cakes, drinking our coffee, smoking my cigar, and soaking up sun rays, you know. And that lasted about 45 minutes before we had to take her to work. But it was such a good thing to be able to just yep. sit there, disconnected from technology, yep, and just relax. Very much you know? so. Uh, we don't do that enough. No. In our society. No. And yeah. it really, it, it hurts us mentally, emotionally, physically. Well, the yeah. default is when there's silence, you reach for your phone. I watch people do that all the time. And, and then you see people do it mid-sentence, they're reaching for their phone. And instead of just embracing the silence or waiting for somebody else to, you know, for me, if you start reaching for your phone I just right. hold my conversation or I hold what I'm getting ready to say and uh, again I'm not an anti-technology technology is connecting us in ways that we've never been able to connect in and by, by connecting I mean making us available uh, to others but the connection the human connection is what I think is sorely lacking Go ahead, Bishop Ben. What were you going to say? I was going to say, you know, on the caveat of technology, nowadays people can't even disconnect to even, even bother to disconnect technology to even attend church without having their head buried in a phone during Mass. I've seen that many a time. And see, the reason why I bring that up is because even, even in my parish, my congregants, it's I happened to look up in the pulpit during my homily, and one of them's got their their face buried in the phone. Like, are they are they listening to me? Are they watching sports? Right. It, it makes you wonder. It makes you wonder. Well, you'll know if they suddenly stand up and 
yell, touchdown! It's here. <laughs> I know. The technology's gotten so bad that people are even coming to church and having trouble disconnecting from the phone during church. Right. Right. We see that quite often. Yeah. <laughs> here in the south. And, and you sit there and wonder, you know, are they truly listening to the word? Or are they looking at a Bible? Or, you know, you sit there wondering, what are they doing, you know? Are they absorbing the message? Are they just there just because it's a routine for them? I, I think that they are, many people are just there because routine. And then I think exactly. some of them, I mean, there may be some, um, you know, like, I'm going to pick on Mark for a minute. Uh, MCC, because they have a bit, much bigger congregation than I do. There are some people that attend that I'm convinced are hard of hearing. And I think sometimes some of those might actually be watching our Facebook stream while they're sitting there in the pew just so that they can hear. You know. With the earbud. Yeah. And so, yeah. but there are people too that just sign on just because they're bored. You know, they do stuff because they're bored, you know. And it's kind of like, well, you know, if you really hate being here that much, why, why are you here? But, um, I will say, between Mark's parish and ours, there are very few that do that. You know, that are buried in their phones. And most of the time, it's teenagers that when they're at church they're buried in their phone or like Luna listening to a book or listening to a book reading a <laughs> book you know Luna is like me she can multitask really well and so sometimes she will be listening to the sermon and reading a book at the same time and she can tell you what both said it's it's crazy the way our minds work but you know it just it sometimes happens. Although I've been on my phone following along with the readings at Mass, and I know others do too. Right, Father Dave? Right. Glenn says, sometimes doing something with my hands on the phone helps keep me focused during church. Hmm. That's a good point of view. That could be what's going on as well. We had a parishioner once upon a time that uh, they had sensory issues. And so, um, right in the middle of Mass, they got up and laid in the center aisle, rubbing the carpet. <laughs> After Mass, they were like, Is it okay if I lay on the floor sometimes during Mass? Like, yeah, no, it's fine with me. Like, well, we just want to make sure that it wouldn't bother you. Uh, it's no more bothersome than a two-year-old running up and down the aisle. So, I mean, if you need to lay in the floor and rub the carpet, lay in the floor and rub the carpet. Yeah. I mean, just make sure you get up for communion. I don't want any injuries. So. For real. <laughs> I just remember during seminary school, the old abbot, in our class, I thought us. He says, "If you altar servers are that bored, sit on your hands." 
Right. Melissa's Melissa's right. There's there are prayer beads or even fidget toys they can use yes. rather than a yep. phone, and and that's true. Um, I think some people just have never been introduced to those things. Yeah. And that's why I keep my rosary in my hands during mass. Right. I've had a person actually crochet during service. And oh, that, yeah. that that kept you know they weren't on the phone. And I really think, you know, this is my un, I guess my uneducated mind or stepping into a, a realm. A lot, of, a lot of times it's all about the conditioning that we, uh, that we have in our minds. Right. You know, that I have to constantly, you know, I feel like right then I feel a buzz. I automatically got to look at it. Um, so on and so forth. Um, I think there are other ways. There are people that do have anxieties, and I get that. They have anxieties, and they think this is the only way that they can maintain focus. Right. I like the lady who, and she was young. She was actually uh, in her late 20s, but she had learned she could sit in church and she could crochet. And while she was crocheting, making little small things like, you know, gloves or something. But you could actually see she was engaged. Right. And she would actually come and talk to me periodically about about stuff that I've said. So I knew she was listening. Um, whereas the phone pulls you into not only you're doing stuff with your hands, but now your mind is sucked into it. If you have an earbud, you're now listening to it. And so I think to me technology is a little bit more of a distraction because it pulls you in right. versus having you know, prayer beads or some people have little fidgeters and I get that you know I have people in my family that they're that way you know they just can't sit long yeah Luna's like that Luna can't sit long yeah so she's always fidgeting with something Blackbird says, I've worked on carvings while at ceremony. Yeah. Well, and um, this was years ago. They they don't come anymore because they moved out of the area. But uh, we had uh, three people that came to church on a regular basis. They were a truffle. And, uh, or thruple. Yes, thruple. Anyway, um, and two of the three would do things like sewing or crocheting needlework during mass it was not uncommon they had ADHD and that's how they focused it was great didn't bother me at all um, I've had another parishioner in the past who sat and draw they would draw all through mass you know all kinds of elaborate drawings and um, but they could tell you everything that was said in the sermon sat there and drew the whole time so I think it's important that we make space for those people too but also remembering that you know sometimes the technology is not the right answer during service um, especially when that technology suddenly starts speaking or ringing or playing music <laughs> yeah if it if it noisily becomes distracting towards others then I think um, that's 
moving over into that disrespectful stage. Right, right, right. Yeah. I like how MCC does it before their service. They have a, 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 a video that plays that says, please silence your phones. <laughs> I've got another video that I used to play that it has audio to it and it has a phone being dropped into water. Yeah. And it says, please silence your phones, all phones not silenced will be baptized. <laughs> so I think I'm going to bring that video back. Uh, we are taught that carving is like a conversation between you and spirit. There you go, Blackbird. Yeah. We as clergy need to educate people that it's okay to use as long as it doesn't distract from the reason that we are in the service. Right, Father David? Right. Um, so I think I need to probably put one of those videos up in my uh, <laughs> service too. Considering most of our uh, participants are online, I'm not sure that really makes that big a difference. If they silence their phones, they won't be able to hear mass. So that's, that, too, is a bit of a problem. Well, folks, uh, uh, I thank you for joining us tonight. I think we'll go ahead and wrap up here um, for the night. Uh, next week, we're going to talk about Christians and politics, or maybe better said, people of faith and politics, because uh, it kind of applies to everyone. Uh, as we, of course, uh, enter into this wonderful season of uh, political ramblings. And so, um, you know, we'll talk about that next Saturday night. Uh, thank you, Bishop Ben. Thank you, Reverend Mark, for being here tonight. It's a pleasure. Thank, thank you, you for having us. Absolutely, anytime. And uh, so until next week when we once again attempt to expand your faith, keep shining bright, my friends. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Expanding Your Faith. For more information on Expanding Your Faith, check us out on facebook.com forward slash expandingyourfaith. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and wherever you find your podcasts. Until next week, when we once again attempt to expand your faith, keep shining bright.